0: I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. From cranberries to cows and everything in between, this is Forward Farming. Hey guys. Welcome, <laughs> Welcome back to Forward Farming.
1: Uh, so you guys, we are trying something new tonight. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: Plus uh, this long- mess.
2: <laughs>
1: Bless this mess. My subscription ran out on Zoom uh yesterday, I think. And I sent Becca a text. I'm like, do we keep going with Zoom to record our podcast or do we try something else? And Becca's like, let's try something else. So we're trying something else tonight. And uh let us know if you can tell a difference in the quality of the audio. Maybe. So far we don't know what the heck we're doing because Why do research on something when you can just do it and figure it out on the way? And what better time to try a new thing than when we have a guest on tonight? So (laughs) let's—we're just jumping right in and hoping for the best. So, hashtag bless this mess. We
0: did, we did a test earlier today, and it seemed to work. It did. So kind of. It took a really long
1: time for the video to come through. Like an hour afterwards, I kept checking um, the audio too. Yeah. Um. So if you've ever used like Zoom to record a meeting or something, usually the video backs up onto the drive like within a minute or two. But we're using um, this website called Riverside. I'd never heard of it until like today. (laughs) And it's wild. I don't, this is like above my pay grade. (laughs) So, if it if it this if this sounds awful, I'm sorry. Please let us know, and we will never use it again. So, anyway, we have a guest Master. on today. We do, and uh, I'm I'm excited to chat with her. We, um yeah. she reached out to us. Her name is Sonia, and uh, she is a dog breeder, and she wanted to talk to us um, just about breeding dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Right intro. Wow, <laughs> I know it was so good. She's gonna listen to this and be like,
0: "Oh my god, why did I talk to them?" Uh, uh, but she but besides breeding dogs, she does. I mean, she's a dairy farmer, right? And she yep. she breeds like working cattle dogs, which I think um, that especially takes a lot of good genetics and a lot of good training and stuff like that. So it'll be yeah. um, pretty cool to get her point of view. Maybe she can tell me why my cattle dog is special. <laughs>
1: And she'll talk to you about like finding uh, like a reputable breeder and what to look for when you're looking to add a pet to your family and all of those good things too. So we're excited to talk to her because we both have dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and-,
0: and I think we're, we're going to play her a little voicemail and get her hot take on it because <laughs> it made me laugh a lot. And we'll see what she thinks about it. But uh, before we welcome her on the podcast tonight, <laughs> do you want... To do some quick highs and lows. Oh, God. You want me to jump right into the lows? I, yes. I sprung that on you. I'm sorry. But you did. But it seemed uh, like a good
1: idea. Um, My lows? I'm just going to keep saying my child. <laughs> love him dearly. But good. Goodness gracious. We are getting some teeth. And he doesn't get like one tooth at a time. It's like all of the teeth at once. And I feel like he's really far Behind on his teeth development So he only has like Four front teeth, four bottom teeth And then like his molars So I think he's filling in All mm. of these side teeth right now So he's just crabby All the time We can't really spend a lot of time outside Because it's so hot And the grass is crispy And it's just
0: crispy Oh great heavens I need help <laughs> um, Does he like freeze?s he does. I May gave him an I ice suggest cream bar. Freezie's always. <laughs>
1: I gave him an ice cream bar today because I'm like, who doesn't love an ice cream bar? This kid. What? He he let it well, melt. More
0: ice cream for you. That's fine. I know. I ate a very
1: delicious melted ice cream from Aldi. <laughs> like we got a box. Sidetrack. This is gonna be my high as well. We we found some great deals at Aldi this last weekend. They have um like this little kids picnic table. And it was like $50 maybe and it's made out of like real cedar wood and you have to assemble it and whatever and it holds up to like 300 pounds and you can remove like the middle plank on the table and there's two sensory bins inside so you can fill it up with like sand or water or whatever and it comes with an umbrella and it's super cute. He loves it. We do like Play-Doh and arts and crafts and stuff outside and it gives us a little bit of shade. Uh, so that's cool. Found that at Aldi. Got a box of ice cream bars at Aldi. And we also got like a little sprinkler spinny thing for like $9. Oh, yeah, with the
0: little, yeah, those are fun.
1: With the little whippers things Mm -hmm. on them. Great. Our hose water is too cold for him to like. So you
0: went down the random Aldi aisle and. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. It does.
1: Dan got a targeted
0: ad for Aldi. (laughs) Or he
1: saw like some uh, mommy blog. Share a video about this, and he literally, we like he showed me, and I'm like, go get it now.
0: <laughs> so that is a. I mean, everything we we're doing for what it all does, like that's a pretty good price
1: on that. I mean, right.
0: anywhere else it'd probably be like a hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, and that's what like sold him. He said it. uh This this mommy blogger said it was like a hundred and twenty dollars on Amazon, but at Aldi it was only fifty dollars. So heck yeah, we're gonna drop what we're doing to go buy a little big <gasps> table. I-
0: I didn't peg Dan to follow mommy blogs, but he good follows on him.
1: mostly like the mommy bloggers that share about different mommy cars. Oh. He's been really trying to get me on board the minivan train, and it's not happening. So he finds okay, all these I... videos like reviewing
0: minivans, and I'm just, no, uh, yeah. I can't. Joey I'm is the same way. Can. He does no. not want to be in the minivan. <laughs> um no yeah he doesn't want a minivan i i'm torn i've never been a minivan mom but i I love my truck but Mm -hmm. it's really hard with three kids in it like there's just no extra room um and so i found and then like an explorer yeah it's got the third row but then you have like no back room like explorers just aren't big enough and expeditions they're like they're huge and they're like. 80 grand. I can't oh, fathom spending that much on an expedition. Um so I found this. I think it's called a Kia Carnival. Yeah, Kia has some cool stuff. It looks like an SUV, <laughs> but yeah. it has all the features of a minivan. And Joey's like, "Yeah, well it's not Ford." Uh, no shit, but Ford doesn't have minivans. <laughs> they have like their passenger buses. Or, whatever those are, transit vehicles, they're yes. so ugly. I'm they like, are. this minivan is like $35,000 versus, you know, an $80,000 expedition. I tell you what. So, I mean, Unless we're not getting anything because comes... I need money, but in the future.
1: It, yeah, the minivan probably comes with a vacuum in the back too. It's like,
0: how many do they do that? Come... Yeah. Oh my God. Like... Why wouldn't you want that, Amber? Because <laughs> I have one child. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, you you just wait. You could haul <laughs> Bear around? Ugh. I mean... To, take him to the dog park? Vacuum up his hair afterwards? Anyway, what was your low for the week? Um... Mm, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, my low... Oh, did I talk about Izzy on here? I don't think I did. No, you didn't. I don't remember when that even happened. It wasn't that long ago. I think um anyways, it was after it was after Tuesday. Okay. Or like after Monday. Um yeah, so uh I've got a few cows at the dairy still. Um that just two of them are pretty fresh. Uh, and I was going to bring them home and have them be nurse cows, but I don't have any calves for them right now, so they're just hanging out. Um, and then I had two more that are due this fall, so I was just going to keep them there until they go dry and then bring them to our house. Um And unfortunately, Izzy, beautiful cow, I don't know how she didn't sell when I sold the rest of my cows, Um, but I guess I'm glad that this didn't happen to anyone else. Um, but she came down with toxic mastitis, which... Um, is kind of as bad as it sounds like mastitis and it just gets really watery and hard and they get really sick. You. Um, and then I think it was like the day after they started treating her for mastitis, she got hemorrhagic bowel syndrome, which Oh. that also sounds is as, as, as
1: bad as it.
0: Yeah. It's as bad as it sounds. Yeah. And for some reason it's, it's more prevalent in Brown Swiss. Um, no one really seems to know why, but like Brown Swiss have a higher chance of getting it. Um, and unfortunately, she didn't make it. Um, she went pretty quick, which is, I mean, essentially, they they bleed out like their, yeah, hemorrhagic bowel syndrome. Um, so that sucked that she didn't make it. And uh, of course, she was due to go dry pretty soon. So like she lost her calf as well. Aww. Um, So that sucked. But it was, it took me a second to realize it, but, um, so Irene, the, um, red Holstein brown Swiss that I've got at my house right now that is nursing three calves. Uh, her mother is also Izzy's mother. And so her mother, Isabel, also had hemorrhagic ball syndrome and she survived it. And then that's how we got Irene out of the deal. Um, Izzy was older than her, obviously. So not that that's, like, a silver lining or anything, but I'm, like, maybe it's more genetic than than we think, you know, because, like, if her mm-hmm. mom had it and then she had it, um, that also makes me worried for Irene that, like, maybe she will get it. But, I mean, there's really, there's nothing you can do to, like, prevent it from happening. Um, and then if they do get it, you just kind of got to hope and pray that they, they make it through. But, yeah, so that was my low. That was kind of a bummer, uh, especially losing that calf. But let's see for a high. I guess my low could have been my chaotic day on Tuesday, but that wasn't even that wasn't even a low. That was just like chaotic. Um, oh, kind my of fun gosh. To watch. It was <laughs> it. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go to my Instagram. I saved all the stories as a highlight just because. <laughs> i I wanted to make sure that everyone got to see that day <laughs> um I think that was gonna that's gonna be my high though, like just the everything that happened, and just I was like, Is it weird to say that I'm proud of myself for how I handled everything? No, um, I mean that's pretty impressive, yeah, I think uh, just all the animals got out, and then like Joey had to go to work. So I had to put them back in. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like a. They weren't terrible to get back in by any means. Um, but it was just like one thing after another just kept happening. And then the fact that I had gone to the doctor then, and um, I I needed to refill my prescription for my um anxiety meds, and um, they were like, "What better way to test if you still need it than to have that (laughs) more." no doubt they're like oh like sorry you have to go see the doctor before we can um refill your prescription and so i went they got me in right away at least so i went in and when i walk out of the clinic there is a chick <laughs> under my truck like just and i was like oh my god like what a loser who brought a chicken to the clinic and then i'm like there's no other cars around my truck like that would that's my chicken i <laughs> I've had cats go like in the wheel well, you know, and take yeah. rides, but a chicken. <laughs> so then I go to to go to get it, and it runs under this other lady, this minivan, and I'm like, of course it was a minivan. Of course, yeah, it it wasn't There's a car. Probably but cereal it was a minivan.
1: falling out of the minivan because they have chaotic. It was
0: <laughs> <kids>. <laughs> and uh, the clinic that I'm at, like all the f- front of it is windows. <laughs> like lots of windows great for viewing i don't know so my mother-in-law works there um she wasn't there that day unfortunately so she i haven't heard back yet but she was gonna ask the receptionist like if she saw anything and also if they had cameras in the front of their parking lot because yeah. i was like you probably should go watch those Um, uh, but anyways long story short i the train's under the minivan and i like i went back to my truck for a little bit to like compose myself because i was like i don't know what to do And, um, finally I kind of go underneath the minivan and then I look up and a lady and her young child are walking towards me and I'm like, is this your minivan? (laughs) And she's like, yeah. I'm like, this is going to sound really weird, but like my chick is underneath it and I'm trying to get it. And she like bends over. She's like, yeah, that's a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So thanks for confirming long story short, she was really nice about the whole thing. Like I wasn't doing anything to her van, but I'm like, I'm just this random person, you know, with my ass up in the air trying to get my chicken from the van. Uh, Anyways, I I grab its leg and get it out. And then um, the son is like, oh, it's so cute. I'm like, do you want to pet it? And so he put the chicken and, um, you know, it all worked out in the end. So good. That's my high, and ever since then we haven't had any animals get out. We put up electric fence for the, um, the pig, and we've been good. I just realized what time it is. We we better wrap this intro up. Sorry, as that much story, as I want to
1: hear, as much as I want I this story to keep keep going, <laughs> just head over to Becca's stories and watch it because it's it's pretty funny. I'm I, I'm not sorry it happened to you because it was entertaining but i'm also a little sad that that happened to you too i'm just glad glad everyone made it out okay
0: yeah me too especially the chicken it could have ended bad for the chickens like you could have some eagle could have been having chicken nuggets right (laughs) Yep. okay anyway um okay without further ado without further ado let's welcome our guest Sonia, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are very excited to hear more about uh what you do every day and um all the cute little puppies that you get to play with, because that would probably be the best part about raising puppies, I think. Um before we dive into some deeper, darker questions, do you just want to kind of give us a little background um on your day to day what you what you do for a living?
2: Sure. So I am from upstate New York, not far from Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame, if anybody's a baseball fan. I've never been. (laughs) grew up on a dairy farm. My dad bought this farm in 1972, and both of my parents grew up on dairy farms. I went to college, graduated from Virginia Tech, and then moved to Maine and worked on a dairy there for a couple of years. And then the opportunity came up for me to move home. Uh, and so I moved home in two thousand ten and been here ever since. Uh, we're a small dairy. We milk about sixty cows in a tie stall. Uh, mostly just my parents and myself. We do have two part-time employees. Fortunately, one of them just gave me two weeks' notice tonight. So it's been a great. Uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, it's all. At good. At least they gave you notice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, she's, <laughs> I kind of. It was one of those things you know is coming, but you dread that it's coming. So. Now we're going through it. Um, So, yeah, I grew up in all things cows. I did the 4-H thing, all of the dairy things, quiz bowl, dairy judging. I judged all through college. um, And then, so I went to Morrisville for two years and then transferred to Virginia Tech because it was cheaper to do in-state tuition. Um, And when I was at Morrisville, my roommate got a golden retriever puppy, which meant I had to get a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, But I really wanted a working dog, like a dog that would come to the barn with me and do stuff. I had no clue what that meant. I just knew that's what I wanted. Um, And of course, when you think about a herding dog, the first thing that pops into your mind is a Border Collie. But my mom had worked for Agway as a um, dairy consultant in the mid-70s. And she was not a fan of Border Collies. Met a few that she didn't like. So I knew at 19 years old, if I was going to get a dog, that my parents were going to have to be on board because if I went on a trip, I was going to be leave the dog at home, right? So I started researching other breeds, and the Australian Shepherd popped up. And first of all, they're adorable. <laughs> um, they've got you know, the cutest face, and they come in all these different colors, so they're eye-catching. And the other neat thing about them is they're an American-made breed, even though it says Australian. They were developed in the West by farmers and ranchers who needed a good dog to work on the farm. Uh, And so I kind of fell in love with them and I got my first Aussie through a rescue in 2005 and I was hooked, I've had them ever since. Um, I grew up with, you know, your general lab mutt mixes, Heinz 57s, Um, they were great family pets and that was about it, which was fine. That's what what our family needed. Um, So then I got the Aussie in 2005. And he was terrified of cows. (laughs) (laughs) Ran out of the barn, ran up to the house and hid in a dog house that was outside. Uh, He grew out of that. He was about five months old at that point. When I went to Virginia Tech, there was someone nearby off campus who was offering herding lessons. And so uh, Mick was his name. The dog's name. Mick and I went to herding lessons once a week for about a year. Um, and I kind of learned how the dog herds and how I can use that to my advantage. Um, and then fast forward a whole lot. So I moved home in 2010, and I moved into my position on the farm is herd manager. So I work with the cows every day. I'm, I'm not the equipment person. Don't ask me about the crops that we grow. I can tell you what they are, but I can't tell you how much of what. But ask me about the pedigree on a cow, and I can tell you, you know, three, four generations or, or anything like that. Um, so moved home in 2010 and started getting creative about how I could use the dogs to help me because, like I mentioned before, we're all family mostly and a couple of part-time employees. And that means I'm working by myself a lot and um, let's see so let's fast forward some more (laughs) in 2011 I bought my first registered Aussie from a breeder and didn't know what I was doing there either if I was to do the same thing now I would go about it completely differently but that's okay she's a great dog she's the foundation bitch for my line of dogs Um, and she grew into a really nice working dog. She had a daughter, Bindi, in where you born, twenty fifteen, who was named the one farm dog of the year through Farm Bureau and Purina. Cool uh, and a neat story. So, when COVID first hit, you guys remember the food supply was chain was just crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Milk in the grocery store—you couldn't get beef. Process, you know, you—it was just nuts, right? And so we felt the same thing here. Um, Our co-op put a base program in place, so they were limiting how much milk we could produce, and we had to take a serious look at um, number of cows we were milking and our heifer inventory, and and make some decisions. And so I had a heifer that was open; she wasn't pregnant, and she should have been. And I said, all right, we need to just call her. She needs to leave. And I had five minutes before I needed to start milking. So I said, great, I'll go out. I'll sort her out of that, the pen she was in and make it easier to load her on the trailer the next morning. And so I went into the pen and I was coming around the corner and I felt something touch my back. And I turned to see what it was. And this heifer, for no reason, charged me and pinned me against the headlocks. I was by myself. Um, nobody was around. There's no cell phone service here. You can't call for help. But I knew that Bindi was nearby because she's always nearby. The nice thing about Aussies is they are shadows. Um,
0: <laughs> for better or for worse.
2: <laughs> Bindy's called her name and I saw her feet along the outside of the pen. So she was looking for me, but she couldn't find me. And thankfully, the heifer didn't keep coming at me. Once she got me down, she just stood there and stared at me. But every time I made a motion to stand up, She'd lower her head. So I knew I wasn't getting out of there without some help. So when I saw her, I gave her her cue to move the heifers like we're going to clean the barn, which is just, you know, get around. She started pushing the heifers around uh, the pen. And when she came in and moved the heifers, the heifer that was pinning me down left. And I got out of there completely unscathed. I was shaking like a leaf, but I was not hurt in any way. So that was our story that uh, earned her farm dog of the year in 2021. Okay. Where would you like me to go from there?
0: That's incredible. (laughs) Good girl. (laughs) I,
1: okay. So I, I don't have livestock, obviously. So this is all, this is all completely new for me. I don't know. I guess, what, how do you even start training these kind of cues? Like, what, when you took those first classes, um, what was kind of, like, your biggest takeaway take that you that you just kind of built upon? Like, what are the the first things that you started teaching, maybe for folks who are just getting their first um, dog and, and don't really know where to start? What is kind of, like, your foundation of of calls that you want to build upon, I guess. Is that a good way of phrasing it?
2: Yeah. Um, so, and that's changed over the years too, is I've learned a whole lot more about, um, about dogs and how they develop. So now what I do, the first thing I want to teach my dogs is how to relax in the barn. I really don't care if they're 10 weeks old and they want to herd. I want them to learn that when I'm in the barn and I'm milking, they can just relax. Because I don't want a a dog running down the barn and getting cows on their feet when I'm trying to milk them. This, you know, we want that environment to be very calm for the cows, calm for the dog. So I set up uh, what's called an exercise pen. It's like a big play pen for the puppy. And I'll put something for them to chew on. Maybe a raw meaty bone or a stuffed cong or something, something that's going to keep them busy for a while. And then I do boring stuff. So that's when I'm brushing cows or clipping cows, doing something that's not it's not that interesting and they just learn to chill. And then I'll work that up to where they're coming in the barn with me during chore time and they're staying in that pen while I'm scraping stalls or uh, milking the cows. <clears throat> and and generally when I'm scraping stalls, I let them run up and down the barn floor. When it's milking time, then it's time to, to find that spot and relax. So then from there, it depends, it's gonna vary a little bit with each dog as to when they turn on to livestock. Um and I think cows especially, they tend to be a little bit older because cows are pretty intimidating, their size. Um I will introduce all of my litters to ducks when they're about six weeks old, mainly for entertainment. It's just so <laughs> fun ducks. Um and then I will use them for training later on. But in all honesty, the ducks are just purely for my entertainment. That's fair. <laughs> Yeah. So the two most important cues to teach your dog is a solid recall, come when they're called, and a stop of some sort. And and stop, I just mean to lay down, you know, right when you tell them to. Maybe not right at your feet. Maybe they're 10 feet away. Maybe they're down the length of the barn. But if you can get those two cues, you can do a whole lot with your dog. It's easier said than done, right? getting your dog to come when called in all kinds of environments and all kinds of distractions. Uh, and the same thing with getting them to lay down at a distance or to simply stay at a distance is super challenging. Um, and with my dogs, that all starts in a really close environment where they can't make bad choices. <laughs> so uh, we're actually in my training room right now, which is why you see the dogs mugging me because they think we are do something. Uh, but it, it's a room where, I guess there are distractions, but it's not terribly distracting. Um, so when we come up here and this is where I'll start working on with one dog at a time, Come say their name. And as soon as they start moving toward me, towards me, I'll praise them and then give them a, I call it a cookie. My 4-H kids say it's not a cookie because they can't eat it. It's a dog treat. <laughs> I like <it>. So <laughs> they start coming towards me. Yay, cookie. Give the cookie. And then, then we'll work that up so I'll to toss a cookie away from me. The dog will go and eat the cookie. And then I call their name again and they race towards me for the next treat. And then we'll work that so that, okay, now we're outside and we're going to do that in the backyard. Again, not super distracting. There's not livestock out there, uh, it's just grass, which can be distracting. But same idea, you know, calling the dog, rewarding them when they come to me tossing a cookie or a toy or something to get them to move away, building up a really high reinforcement history of coming when they're called. So putting a lot of money in the bank early. And then when I need to make a withdrawal from that, you know, when we're in the barn and a cow gets loose and I don't want the puppy chasing it, can I call them and have them come to me? Uh, Another quick tip on that, run away from the dog. A lot of people when you go to recall your dog and the dog doesn't come, you want to chase after the dog. And the dog says, great, came on, go ahead, (laughs) try to catch me if you can. Whereas if you turn that onto you, so you call the dog and the dog maybe gives you a look, but they don't come running at you, you take off running, chances are you're gonna engage that dog's prey drive and they're gonna chase after you and you can reward them.
0: That's good. Yeah, <laughs> I just learned something new. Gracie's pretty good at coming, but yeah, when if they don't listen to you, you normally walk up to them to get them. And what
2: happens? They you play the just out of collar reach game. Of-
0: uh huh. Or if Gracie knows that she's in trouble, she'll immediately just lay on her back, lay down, yeah, <laughs> feet up in the air, like I didn't do it. <laughs> Did you um, take classes on kind of learning how to do this, or is it kind of been a learn as you go? Um, or you know how do you is there like a a class for dog trainers? Oh there's everything
2: um I took in person classes with the gal locally, just um a basic kind of OB. i I do compete in agility, so I took some agility classes with her and it got me to a certain point that I was kind of beyond um what she could really teach me, so I looked into online training and I've done quite a bit of that um there's a, a really good online platform that I like called Fenzy Dog Sports Academy, and they have classes for anything you, and everything you could imagine that has to do with dogs. Um, there's also a gal named Tanya Wheeler from Canada, and I believe her website is The Talking Dog. Um, and she has a really good program for that's geared towards herding, and will give you some uh, training games to play, even if you don't have livestock. I think that's the hardest part in the dog sports world is people that want to get into herding um, don't have easy access to livestock. And then the hard part in the farming world is we don't have easy access to dog training.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I wish I would have been able to get <laughs> Gracie more training. She's not a very good cow dog. She does pretty good with the cows, but it's her, it's the calves that she just, I think she wants to play with them. And so, like, she can, she can hurt them, but then at the same time, she'll, like, lose her train of thought and then just start playing with them. And I'm like, no, oh, Gracie. <laughs> but you're right, like, there's not, I mean, maybe I'll have to look online, but there's not many places that I could just be, like, can you help me train my farm dog? You know, it's, it's a basic like puppy classes where they learn to sit and stuff. And it's like, you know, that I, I did on my own, but you kind of need to level up. So with the, with the puppies that you sell, does the training kind of come with them? Or do you just work with the owners to gauge what they want their puppy to do? So, um, part of my puppy program, um, does involve
2: some training, but only so much the dogs learn when they're eight, to 10 years old. Um, and I can start clicker training when they're as little as four weeks old as soon as they're willing to eat a little bit of food out of my hand. And I'll use, um, like, human baby food. It works great (laughs) because it's soft, and puppies can eat it pretty easily. Um, So that works really good for baby puppies. But they're not going to be trained for herding when they leave me at 10 weeks old. Um, What are we chewing over there, kid? What you got? Thanks. (laughs) um so what when so when raising a litter the biggest thing I'm concerned with is socialization getting those puppies exposed to as many things as I can and so some of that is people you know making sure I mean I I'm single I don't have children um but my brother does So when I have puppies, I make sure that he he and his wife and his kids come and visit. So the puppies get exposed to the noise and the movement of little kids. Um, My sister is in a wheelchair, so she comes over and visits the puppies pretty often. So they get used to being around someone, uh, you know, that moves a little bit differently. The same way with elderly people, um, men, men with beards. um, So that's a big part of the puppy raising is just getting them exposed to as much of that as possible. You have a relatively short window in the puppy's development to um, expose them to all that kind of stuff and have it be a really happy um, experience. Uh, Once they hit about 16 weeks, their socialization period is really closed. You can still do some socialization. You're just not gonna get as much bang for your buck at that point. Um, So I try to do as much of that here uh, before they go home. Um, I'll also start crate training them I do think that every dog needs to know how to be comfortable in a crate that's just my personal belief um what else do we do we go outside we do off-leash walks uh, but still working on recalls so we'll go for a recall and I'll yell puppy 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 and then you have eight puppies coming you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds like my dream Yeah. yeah I know
2: if the if they're born at the right time of year, I'll take them down to the creek so they're getting into water. Um, I do some potty training, but not a whole lot because their bladders are itty bitty; they just can't hold it. So they're actually litter box trained, uh, which works really nice for me because it's a lot easier to clean the litter out than it is to clean the whole pen out, um, and that can translate nicely into house training later on. But it's. I'm I'm told that it's like having a small child, um, you know, you really got to get them on a schedule and get them outside, you know, every couple of hours when they're really itty bitty babies. So that's pretty much what my puppy raising looks like. Now, if someone comes to me and says, I'm looking, I want to get a dog that uh, will work on my farm and this is what I have for livestock. When the litter is born and as they start to develop, I'm going to start to see certain personalities. And this one maybe is more outgoing, whereas um, this one is a little bit more laid back, a little bit lazier on the Aussie scale. This is so a lazy Aussie is still going to be a pretty expensive. <laughs> um, maybe there's one that's really drawn to people, so that one might be better for a pet home. Um, so I look at different things like that, and then I'll say, okay. These are the the three puppies that I think would fit well with you. What are your thoughts on them? And then let that person choose that of out of that group.
1: How many puppies a year do you typically have? Like, is it just always puppy, 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 or do you have like one breeding dog at a time? Like, how how often are you cycling through puppies?
2: Yeah, it that really depends on. Um, so the last <laughs> year, done one litter a year and um, I'm taking a break now. <laughs> it's been good. I've had some really nice pups produced from that. I'm at capacity in my house um, and it's way too tempting to keep one from every litter. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to, I think I'm going to wait a couple of years. So part of that decision, um, the, the bitch needs to go through some health testing. So they need to have a, A genetic test done which is just a cheek swab um, to test for certain um, genetic diseases that can be passed through. With Aussies especially you want to be careful of the MDR1 gene um, and you can do a, a test just for that if you don't want to do the full panel and basically that's a it's a gene where if they carry even just one copy they can be extremely sensitive to ivermectin and other dewormers which for from a farmer's perspective is pretty important to know if your dog does have that sensitivity. Um, you can certainly manage around that, but it's good to know that beforehand because it, if they are MDR1, uh, if they do carry that gene and they get into then you're looking at uh, a possible death sentence really. So it's, it's something you really want to be aware of. Um, so you got to do the the genetic test. They also need to have their eyes checked Uh, annually by a certified ophthalmologist and they need to have their hips and elbows x-rayed and sent to OFA, Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. So once they pass all of those health clearances, then that's one step towards becoming a a breeding animal. Um, And the hips and elbows, they have to be two years old to have those done. So that automatically puts me at a two-year investment for the breeding dog. Now the dog also needs to show some merit for breeding, right? They need to be good at what you're, you're advertising them as. So that means they need some training and it, you know, titles certainly don't hurt. So by titles, I mean, um, so Bindi has her, uh, AKC master agility titles, um, Uh, Reese, who just had a litter last fall, she has her novice titles in uh, ASCA, which is Australian Shepherd Club of America, and um, novice standard titles in AKC. Reese is a, she came of age during COVID, so we lost a solid year, year and a half out of trialing with her. Um, And then, obviously, with the herding stuff, I want to be able to have video that show that, yes, my dog can do the thing that I say she can and that's just for the female, right? So then you got to do that all with a male, or find somebody that's got a male that you really like that you think would be a good match with your female and talk to them and negotiate all of that. So it's a pretty intensive process. So um, I don't have more than one litter a year. And like I said, I'm taking a break for a couple of years now. So this, you're getting in my lap. This is really, is really the next mother-to-be in a couple of years. She's Bindi's daughter. Um, And typically I have my litters in the fall just because with the farm schedule, it works a whole lot better for me to raise puppies, um, you know, in the the winter. Some people don't like that because then they have to have a baby puppy during the winter and take them outside in the snow. Honestly, I think you house train them faster that way because when you take them outside, they don't want to mess around. (laughs) I think it actually works out better, but that's just me. Summer's just too busy with all of life stuff going on to try to raise a litter of puppies.
0: Yeah. For a family that is looking to add a dog to, um, to their, uh, family, how, how do you go about finding a reputable, reputable breeder? I mean, obviously there's like rescue shelters, um, and the pet store puppies that are probably coming from God knows where, we don't want to know probably. Um, but if you're, you know, for me, I always wanted an Australian Shepherd. That's, that is a breed I knew I wanted. And so when I, and I probably did not go about the right way to do this. So maybe I shouldn't even say, but I mean, I found it on Facebook. Um, it was a local girl and she had, she, um, they were exposed to cows and horses and stuff. So like I knew that um, she at least had some exposure, but what are other things that people should look for in a reputable breeder? Uh, I know there's a lot of scams going on with puppies lately that it's been in the news Um, just to kind of make sure that you're getting a good deal.
2: Yeah. So, and there's, if you ask five different dog breeders, you're probably get 10 different answers. (laughs) It's such a controversial topic. Um, And And I, it's okay to adopt a pet. It's okay to adopt a pet. It's okay to buy a pet from maybe a less than ideal breeder. That's okay. Just know that there's risk with every decision you make. There's risk with getting a dog from a breeder too. Mm -hmm. Um, So in, in general, five things to look for when you're looking for a breeder. First thing is they wait until the puppy is at least eight weeks old before they sell it. Uh, in a lot of states, that's the legal age that the puppy has to be. Now, uh, most of the time, puppies are being weaned when they're around five or six weeks. That's when the mom's like, hey, I've had enough of those puppy teeth. No, thank you. We're done. But the puppies are still a whole lot from their litter mates and their mother. Um, a friend of mine raises border collies, and she just had a, a really nice video on Facebook of her puppies, which are six weeks old. And they're playing, but one puppy is getting a little bit rough. And so the mother just comes in, separates the two puppies and plays with the rough puppy and lets the softer puppy, you know, go back to its litter mates. So they learn so much after that six week, mm-hmm. six week old period from, from their mom. And as, as good as we can be about training our dogs, we can't speak dog like a mama dog can. So I think it's really important that they get those eight weeks. And to be honest, I see a huge difference in eight to 10 weeks, when they that, that eight to 10 weeks is when I really ramp up crate training. And I see a, a big difference in the puppy's abilities to to be in the shut crate uh, from eight weeks to 10 weeks. So um, as much as I hate picking up puppy poop for those two more weeks, I think that I'm gonna probably wait uh, until the puppies are 10 weeks old before I send them home, just because I think I can give them that much of a better start um, for them to transition well into their home. The other thing to keep in mind, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, scientific data on this, but anecdotally a puppies go through a fear period sometime between four and seven weeks could be four to nine weeks where they'll something will happen. That's completely normal, part of the routine, but for whatever reason, the puppy acts a little bit afraid of it, or maybe a lot afraid of it. And you don't want to be sending your puppy home to a new family if they're in a fear period. So that's another reason to kind of wait until the end of that, you know, that 8 to 10 weeks old. Okay, second thing is look for health-tested parents. If you go on OFA's website, OFA.org, you can look up by breed what the recommended health tests are. Uh, And for Aussies, it's pretty basic. It's eyes, hips, and elbows, and then they also suggest thyroid um, and genetic panels. Um, Transparency is is the breeder transparent with you? Uh, or do they allow you to visit where the puppies are being raised? Can you meet both of the parents? Can you meet siblings or um, relatives? Uh, do they have a Facebook page where they post videos of the puppies? Does it look clean? Are the puppies healthy and happy? Um, all of those kinds of things. And, and a breeder who is really invested in their dogs, will want to talk to you about their puppy raising program. Like They'll be really excited to share all of the cool things that the puppies are doing. All right, fourth thing is, what are their puppy raising protocols? So I talked about a few of mine. I follow what's called Puppy Culture, uh, which is a program developed by a breeder in New Jersey, and it, it lays out in a pretty nice timeline of, of how the puppies are developing, what to look for, and what to do when they hit a certain stage of development. So when puppies are born, they don't have a sense, any hearing or sight, they're, and so when, they're, when they start to be able to hear, let's introduce some sounds to them so that they don't have noise sensitivity later on. You know, how many dogs out there are scared of thunder or scared of fireworks? What can we do as breeders to try to make that so that it's not that way? Um, Avid Dog is another puppy raising protocol that you might hear. Both, both of those are really, really good ones. Um, But just asking how are they socializing the puppies, all of those questions. And the last thing to look for is do they sell with a contract with right of first refusal? So the last thing I want is to have my dogs end up in a shelter. So everybody signs a contract, and it's very basic. Some of them get a little intense, um, so make sure you read through them because they can be a little bit ridiculous when you get Mm -hmm. (laughs) – anyways, part of my contract says – You know, this puppy's health is guaranteed for so many weeks once they leave. Um and uh oh, low battery. Hopefully we we're okay. (laughs) We'll wrap it up soon. (laughs) We're twenty we're good. Um so so guarantees the health of the it'll say, you know, my dogs are sold with AKC and ASCA registration, so that's in the contract. Um, and then it'll say if for some reason the owner is unwilling or unable to care for it, they contact me and I'll take the dog back. Mm-hmm. Or we'll work something out, you know, maybe the their next door neighbor is in love with the dog and, and they would be a good home and they're 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 in Wisconsin and I'm in New, in New York or something like that. But um, some of my puppy parents have me in their will that if something should happen to them, the dog comes back to me. And I love that, right? Because as a breed, Know that they care about their dog that much, that they're planning ahead uh, to have the dog come back to me. So that's super important. Um, some places to look for good breeders. Again, this isn't the end-all be-all, but uh, the uh, gooddog.com is a good place to start. There's a group on Facebook called Functional Breeding, and I believe they have a website, but I didn't write it down. It's the Functional and then, um, if you go on AKC's website, they have a lot of good information on there, and they they do have a marketplace. But again, even though somebody's listed on AKC marketplace, you still kind of have to go through, you know, are they health testing the parents? Do they have good puppy raising protocols? What do their contracts say? All of those things. So it's it's still a buyer beware environment out there, unfortunately.
1: Mm-hmm. Just do a little bit of research. This is a big addition to your family treat it as such. This was usually when I do stuff, I do things by the seat of my pants. But when we were looking to get a dog, we have a Bernese mountain dog. So we did a lot of research. We know there's a lot of health risks with larger dogs. So we found a breeder with all these credentials. Um, you know, we had to drive down to Iowa to go get our dog, but, um, everything that you just mentioned, it was like, yep, yep. Check, check, check. So I'm glad that was one thing that we did a lot of research on having yeah. a baby no research getting a dog <laughs> lots of research <laughs> it's just, it's hospital right There's yes yeah the doctors can figure this out
2: there's no one to figure this out for us to get a dog so uh that at was risk with every decision you make you know the more research you do in theory the less risk you have but at least you have that breeder there who you can call up and say hey this is going on with my dog what do i do is that normal um you know should i be taking the vet or whatever um it, now, the other thing is, when you find a really good breeder that invests a lot into their dogs, it's also an investment for you. Uh, and I understand that not everybody can do that. And so, you know, if you go with a less expensive option that's closer to home and maybe they don't check off all those boxes, that's still okay. You know, it really is. It's just, you just got to know that there's risk up front.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, an important you- thing, too.
0: Yeah, I don't want to say you get what you pay for by any means, but you you know the more with a reputable breeder, they're doing more to. What is your deal? <laughs> <laughs> I think she knows that we're talking about dogs, and she will not let me be. Um, She's being a little show know, okay. Yeah, hi mom. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is all but about yeah, me you know now. yeah when you know when you go through a reputable breeder they're you're taking the time and the money to do all these health tests and to to make sure that everything is is as solid as it can be. So I think it's important to remember that, you know, you're not going to get a $100 dog with all the all the investment that you put into making those puppies what they are. Yep. Okay
1: i I just learned so much information in such a short amount of time i I'm so happy you reached out to us because I think i I really hope that this reaches the right people and um people out there looking for working dogs, especially I think that you know your farm is your livelihood and you need something to help you out on the farm. Like you said, if you wouldn't have had your dog there with you, who knows would have happened if you know that cow would have pinned you or who knows what would have happened. Um, if your dog wasn't there. So invest if you can train, find, find the resources to get your dog trained, especially if they're going to be around livestock machinery, um, where we already have a dangerous industry already. So the more that you can keep others safe, um, do so. Uh, so thank you so much for, for coming on here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But if there are folks in the New York surrounding area and they are interested in ever um, reaching out to you for more advice, what is the best way to get a hold of you or
2: to uh, take a look at your puppies the next time you do have a litter? Sure. Um, So on Instagram, Instagram at uh, Silver Spoon Dairy, all one word. And then um, on Facebook, you can book me up by my name, Sonia Galley. Or I do have a group that's just for the dogs, Silver Spoon Aussies, if you... Asked to join that, and it does ask you how to hear about this um, just so I can keep crazy people out of there in theory. (laughs) So, mention the probably let you, Um, but so that's the inside scoop on uh, any that I have coming up, um, and I share stuff in there fairly regularly with my dog.
1: Perfect, and we will link all that down below in the show notes. So, if you guys want to check that out please do so and and go tell her that we said hi
0: awkward silence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right <laughs> okay bless this mess um, before we wrap it up uh, we'll just remind everyone where you can find us on our socials uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube we're at Forward Farming Podcast you can follow Amber at Cranberry Chats and me Becca at Becca Hilby um, we really appreciate you again Sonia for being on the podcast tonight and thank you to everyone who listened and we will see you next week bye, bye.